0: Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone that could make it out in person to be here as we're indoors and working with us as we respond to the weather as it's coming. And those of you that are streaming from home, we're grateful again that we have everything set up, that our awesome tech team and Nathan has worked so that we can still have church together. Uh, and so I know that I'm grateful for that every week. And let's, yeah, some people. let's thank them for being able to put this together this morning. So last week, we're still currently in the book of Mark. And last week, we talked about Jesus's power over the storms of our lives. Those things that are outside of us, that the world brings and our situation might bring, that that Jesus is over those things. Sometimes he can pull us out of them, but every time he gives us power through them. And this week, as we focus on Jesus supremacy over those storms last week. This week we're looking at Jesus supremacy over inner storms. As we see the life of a man possessed by a demon or many demons and how Jesus responds in power to that. So my hope this morning is that we can see a story of healing, but also a story that's full of our hope for Jesus' power in our life that gives us purpose for what we're supposed to be doing. And so this morning, if you're coming in today as it's, it's rainy and it's not the most beautiful of days, you're coming here with pain in your life, disappointment. If you're looking for hope to understand what Jesus has, then this story has something for you. And if you're looking for why people follow Jesus, if you found our stream and are listening in to see what what is this whole Jesus movement about, it's about seeing the power of Jesus and how we can work in our lives. So I'm going to read the whole passage from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And so if you want to follow along with me, we'll start in verse 1. It says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes, And crying out with a loud voice, he said, "'What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? "'I adjure you by God, do not torment me.'" For he was saying to him, Jesus that is, "'Come out of this man, you unclean spirit.'" And Jesus asked him, "'What is your name?' And he replied, "'My name is Legion, for we are many.'" And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country.'" clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man into the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus did not permit him and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. You bow your heads to me. This is the Lord's word. Father, we thank you again for the for your word that's been given to us this morning, that the Spirit has inspired here in Mark, as we are being told this event in Jesus' ministry. And as we continue to walk through the steps of Jesus in Mark. I just pray that this story would, would move us in our hearts, and that as I speak words this morning, anything that is not of you would fall away, and anything that is from you and from your spirit would impact us today and for our week and for our lives. And pray this in Christ's name, amen. So I know that probably doesn't come as a surprise to you, but I'll be honest that 2020 and up till now has been a crummy year. I know that for many of you, it has been a bad year for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's been a bad year because of your health. Maybe it's losing a family member or a close friend. Maybe for some of you, it's been losing business or losing your job. Maybe for some of you, it's seen the political turmoil to see to see racism being called out in our country and walking through the difficult relationships as we love people. Maybe it's just been the isolation and being apart from people. And now we begin to do, do that now as we're gathering together more and more, but it's been a difficult year. And I know for myself, it was, it was also a difficult year. It started with an amazing thing happening that Mabel was born. And then after Mabel was born, we began to have some health things coming up with her, so that added some stress, and then we moved to an amazing place where we were so happy to be there, but then we got locked into that new place with all of our stuff that we hadn't really got rid of to move into a little bit smaller place. We had the baby. We couldn't have anyone come over and watch her, so we began to get a little stir-crazy And then as I tried to figure out online ministry and how to Zoom call with students and to encourage them when they were on Zoom calls all the time, I know that I began to feel just overwhelmed with everything that was going on in the world, with what I would hear from friends and family as as I had friends that were struggling during that time as well. It was a lot. And I think what, what I did and what many of us might do as we were forced into that form of isolation in my head and in my heart, I went off into the caves of my mind and sat there and tried to just fix myself or thinking that everyone else has bad things going on too. It's just, I've got to get this right. I've got to get my thinking right. And what I did was put myself into more of a state of pain. And more of a need for Jesus. I think all of us experience some level of demonic suffering. Using what's going on to make us suffer more. But this story has something for us in seeing Jesus' power over this demon possession called legion. And the first point that I have for us in focusing on verses one through five is that Jesus goes into enemy territory. Jesus goes into enemy territory. I was talking uh, about a couple weeks ago about this passage with a friend and they had visited Israel. And I know that many of you guys have visited Israel before, but the reminder is that this was a real place. As historians have tried to place exactly maybe where these cliffs were or where these tombs were, there's many spots where it could be and a couple that are likely where this is at. But that this was a real place, and it was a real place that a Jewish rabbi would not have gone into. Because this was not only a territory that was not a Jewish territory, but it also was tombs where Jesus gets off the boat here, which means it was unclean because it was where death was and decay was, and so you wouldn't go near there. On top of that, we see later on that there was a herd of pigs, and pigs were not an animal, that Jews would be around. And then you have the very real demonic oppression that was in that place. The ancients back then believed that in any area that were tombs, that was where demons really worked. That's where they really were. And so there were all of these levels that would have stopped Jesus from going to this place. But what instead we see is Jesus went into a place full of evil forces, full of everything that would be against him and went forward into that place. And then we see the miracle happen there. We see this demon be cast out in a place where Jesus had so much opposition that he walked into there. Because there is no place where Jesus cannot go or does not have power over in this world. He is the Lord of this world. Even though there is the one who is ruling the powers and principalities, that there is a very real demonic and satanic power. What we see in this beginning is that it has no power where Jesus steps in. And so this man runs out. And greets Jesus. This would be a Gentile person. And I think it points here towards Jesus' view on how he would want to reach every person. Because this man not only is in a place where a Jewish rabbi wouldn't go, not only is he living where it would be unclean, not only is he Gentile, he is also demon-possessed. But this man runs to him and Jesus immediately responds to him in saving him. He's saying what his first words are saying there is the demon to to leave this man. And the quote that's on your outline, if you have it there, I think it's part of what we could see as Jesus goes into enemy territory, as he sees those that would be far from him. uh, This quote here from Bonhoeffer says, Christian love draws no distinction between one enemy and another, except that the more bitter our enemy's hatred, the greater his need of love. Be his enmity political or religious, he has nothing to expect from a follower of Jesus, but unqualified love. In such love, there is not inner discord between the private person and official capacity and both we are disciples of Christ, or we're not Christians at all. Jesus models this for us, that the fact is, is you and I, if we are living in this world, more often than not, we are in enemy territory. But Jesus walks into here, into a place that didn't want him, in front of a demon who, as he responds to him, is trying to shake Jesus up. As he calls him by his name, it's not necessarily that he's bowing down in humility to worship him, but he's begging. In, in this part here where it's almost, why would the demon rush towards Jesus knowing in the next second he's going to say how afraid of him he is? There's part of me that, that sees this, that there's some of the man is struggling in there as he's cutting himself and screaming in pain. That maybe there was something as he saw this powerful Jesus coming that he tried to move himself towards Jesus. And then the demons immediately are trying to protect themselves. But either because of the demons, but also because of the community that that man was in, he was forced into isolation. They said, we can't deal with you here. We don't want you around. And so you're going to go over to the tombs, to the cliffs. It's where you will be better. It's where we'll be safe from you. But Jesus walking off the shore is right where that man would need him. And you and I, over this last year, have been forced into isolation. We've been forced far away from things that would bring us comfort because our community said that's where you have to go. We can't have you all around. You've got to go. And what we've seen after study and study have come out that loneliness is a huge problem. Uh, In a survey recently, 36% of the respondents to a national survey reported feeling lonely frequently or almost all of the time. Frequently or all of the time, over 36%, and this is continued to get worse, but another part is that those that are in the 18 to 25 bracket of age, 61% say that they feel lonely either, Frequently, most of the time, or all of the time. And why does this matter? Why would it matter that Jesus would want to step into every place that we would have for him? Is because loneliness is not just, oh man, it's, it's bad that I feel lonely. Loneliness leads to serious problems. It leads to decreased health, depression, and for the elderly specifically, it can literally shorten your life. And so I think all of us, in some way, shape, or form, felt a little part of where this man would have been at. In utter and complete loneliness, only having his only company to be the demonic oppression upon him, only left with his own mind and the demons that wished for him to suffer. And so as we look at his response, whether it was the man himself that brought a little bit of himself to Jesus and then the demons respond, or it was demons themselves that pushed them there to see if this person would cause the, the person that they were pressing pain. I think that we see a powerful picture that when we are in pain, when the world is crushing around us, the storms of the world or the storms of our mind, we cannot stay far from Jesus. Jesus is standing there and we're called to go to him because he is powerful. And we see that in the next verses in verses six through 13 on your outline, the power of Jesus overwhelms the armies of Satan. The power of Jesus overwhelms the army of Satan. Sometimes we get into our mindset, uh, whether that be from the culture or growing up, that you know good and evil are in this forever battle. Maybe it's something like Yin and yang, or that we'll, we'll, we'll have some power here, but evil's always going to come back. That's not the picture that we get. that we get the picture that there is evil in the world, but when stood up against the power of Christ, it holds no chance amen is right. The the powers in this world that do have power over us, that can exert great pain upon us, whether that be through a demonic possession or demonic oppression, using what's going on in our world to discourage and, and deflect us away from our hope in Christ. And so we see as the man comes up that the demon actually ends up begging for his life. It ends up saying, if there's any other way, please don't Hurt me, pointing towards, I th- we think, the, the final resting place of all satanic and demonic powers, which would be complete destruction. But what this portion should give us is hope in the power of Jesus. Last week we talked about how he's powerful over all the storms that are in our life. But not only is it everything outside of us, but it's everything that could be in us every spiritual force that could hurt us, Jesus has more power infinitely than any of those things. John Stott has the quote on your outline that I love. It says, His authority on earth allows us to dare to go to all nations. His authority in heaven gives us our only hope of success and his presence with us leaves us with no other choice. Jesus' power is infinitely greater than anything in this world and especially those things that, that could destroy us, like it was destroying this man. Jesus is infinitely more powerful, and so there's no other option but victory for Jesus. The way this victory looks might be different for each one of our lives, but we can be certain if the healing doesn't happen, the power will still be there, the power to endure. The power to be endlessly optimistic about what God has in store for us will still be there because Jesus is victorious. If our flesh is tired, if we're weak, if our minds fail us, if the diseases in our body, in our minds are holding us back, we can still hope and know that the victory is won. That Jesus is more powerful than all the powers in this world and in that he gives us strength to push back against the darkness, to hold it at bay, to still be used despite our diseases or ailments. And again, it doesn't mean that we always get what we want as this man came before him and Jesus cast out the demon. It doesn't mean that every time we get what we want. God is our father. I heard this recently that they, and I can say this, my, my parents are here, grandparents. There's a difference between grandparents and parents, right? God is not our grandparent that gives us everything we want all the time. I want ice cream. You got it. I want cookies. You got it. That's, that's, that's Everett's relationship with his grandparent. But with his father, it's a little different. And that's okay most of the time. But God is our Father, not giving us what we necessarily want, but what we need, and we know that we have Jesus' power no matter what we're saying. And so whether the storm of the world is outside of us or the storm is within us, we can be convinced of the power of Jesus. Now, I I think here you see this in the composure of the healed man, the clear parallel that you see as Jesus calmed the storm, the seas were completely calm. And this man that was... Screaming and crying and cutting himself, yelling in the night, was completely composed, fully clothed. But you see the calm of the store and, and the calm of this man. That Jesus has power over all things. And I think of this, and now I can't, full, this was a movie from the 80s, rated PG in the 80s, so it equals who knows what rating now. Uh, I always watched it on TV edited, not knowing it was edited until watching an adult. But those of you probably know, you've heard of the Back to the Future series. And in my mind, it was always like, there's nothing wrong that happens in this. And then I watched this adult and I was like, my goodness gracious, this is PG. But in the second one, he's going back and there's a portion of it where they go into the future and they get this sports almanac, right? And the main character says, you can't use it because we don't wanna mess up time and you can't be rich. But the bad guy's like, this would be great. I'm going to send it back in time and I'm going to be super rich. And you see this part where, where he's explaining what happens when he's handed this sports almanac that has all of the winning games for, for all of the history leading up to that point and goes back in time in the the fifties and hands him this sports almanac. And he says, all you have to do is bet on the winner and you'll never lose. All you have to do is bet on the winner and you'll never lose. All that we have to do is place our faith Bet on Jesus, and we will never lose. It's the greatest gift that we can receive. No matter our circumstance, no matter what it looks like to the outside world that seems like we're losing, we will never lose. Because the powers of this world hold nothing against the power of Jesus. And so what I want us to look at in this final point here in verses 18 through 20 is this question. How much has the Lord done for you too much? Amen. But it's not too much. Cause he can do more. He keeps doing it and he keeps doing it. And that's what we see as Jesus calls the man. The man is begging him. This, this Gentile man, can I follow you? Can I be your disciple? And Jesus tells him no. In that point of his ministry, he's still reaching towards the Jewish people. And he has his his disciples who are all Jewish. And he tells him no. But he doesn't tell him, like he said to other people, keep this a secret. No, what he tells him, and he says, go and tell them everything the Lord has done for you. And so when we see Jesus' power, when we hear stories of his power, when we see this story as he just says one phrase towards this legion of demons, whether it is an actual Roman legion of thousands or it's the thousands of demons because there's thousands of pigs, whatever it is, we're supposed to see that it took Jesus one sentence and he won the battle. And so when we hear these stories of Jesus' power, it is supposed to produce praise in us. It's supposed to produce a praise in who he is and encouragement in the power that has been promised to us through the Holy Spirit in our lives. We see a picture of this from the quote on your outline from Martin Luther that talks about who this God is that we serve. The God whom we worship is not a weak and incompetent God. He is able to beat back gigantic waves of opposition and to bring low, uh, low, prodigious mountains of evil. The ringing testimony of the Christian faith is that God is able. That's what our story is. And again, as you and I sit here, we are all in different places in our our life. Maybe we are in a season of plenty and we we feel like, yeah, I'm seeing what God is doing. Maybe we are in a low season. Many of us were in those low seasons because of this last year, and we're saying, "I, I don't see what God is doing. But what I can be convinced of is that God is able, and Jesus is more powerful than things are in this world. And Jesus' work causes disruption in our life. There's a huge disruption when this man is healed, right? You see the, the pigs run off this cliff and drown. Now most pigs could swim, and so that was even more what's happening. They fall off and then they're drowned. And so all of the farmers come around. And you say, you've got to see this. There's 2,000 pigs that have drowned. And it's not just that they're amazed. And then we think of their response like, how could they say that to Jesus? How could they tell him to get out of here? Are you crazy? But they just lost what would be a lifetime's worth of financial gains. The financial loss was so huge that what happened here. And so we shouldn't make less of that. Instead, what we should say is this is how much Jesus values the healing and reaching out to people that are in our world. That even if you count infinite financial loss and gains, one life being saved, one life being drawn towards him is worth that. Why people would give their whole lives to go off to a distant land to share the story of Jesus. Why would they do that is because they would give everything for the infinite gain of knowing Jesus and helping others know him. What kind of loss that we can accrue of of truly loving people that are in dark places, taking and having conversations that would make us uncomfortable or maybe make us more than unfashionable that could hurt us. But we would do that if one soul could be gained. In San Diego, there is millions of people that need to know Jesus. Millions of people that are in as dark, maybe darker, places that this man was, but Jesus reaches into them. And so how do we reach them? We go and tell others the story of what God has done. And so what I want to tell you in closing is just where my story has placed me. You know, over the last few years, I've been here this May 1st was our driving out, our seven year anniversary of driving out to come be out here. And so it's been seven years, which for some of you guys, you go, I've been here 500 years, that's nothing. Um, But in the scope and length of my life, it's really other than growing up till I was 17 in Michigan, it's the longest time that I've been anywhere has been here. And so it's as much my home being here in San Diego with you all as was being home in Michigan. And I never want to go back to Michigan. So it's great I say that and the Lord doesn't force me to go there or something. But as I got out here in my early 20s and now into being in my 30s, it's this time period that God has revealed in me anxiety, a fight with anxiety and depression, learning about my brain and what ailments that it has that I can't overcome because of chemical wirings in my brain. And this last year was a wreck on all of that as all the rhythms that I had were torn away from me, as everything that I would do week in, week out, that helped me give structure for my attention and for my ability to do things and and how to know if I am going to be more anxious or if I'm going to lean towards being more in a depressed state, all of those things were ripped away in such a fashion that I was not ready for it, as no one was really ready for 2020. And so it was a few months ago that it was just I was pushed over but I lost it. And up to that time in the last seven years, I've been managing it. I've been trying to figure it out and read a book here and try to fix these things here. And it was in those feelings of complete inadequacy. that instead of bringing those things out, I went out to the caves. I thought, I just need to be by my, I just need to go by myself. I just need to figure this thing out. I can't, I'll bring this before Jesus. Once I have a better handle on what I'm going to ask him for, because I'll just keep asking him, just, just heal me, heal me. I just want to be done with it. Just, just fix it. I want to be done with it, Jesus. And it wasn't until I, the Lord led me to, to move out from those cliffs, to, to talk to my wife, who in my mind and in my anxiety brain, I go, I can't bring this up to her. This is what, this, She married me to be perfect and strong and lead in every way. If I tell her that I'm in pain and I can't think, she, she won't want to hear it. But instead, what, what happened was that she helped me. And then as I pursued counseling over online, it began to reveal more and more what I need to be listening and giving to Jesus. And what I realized is as I was bringing things out, Jesus was saying, just bring them over to me. I may take some of those things away. I may heal you, but no matter what I'm going to give you power and strength. And so when I left those caves, Ashamed that I wasn't able to conquer things on my own, I realized that that is exactly what Jesus is there for. To heal us, to conquer those things, and to give us power to endure our difficulties. And so Jesus is the Lord of the storm, and he's the Lord of all things. He's more powerful than every spiritual oppression that we would feel, and he has the strength for us to endure all things in front of us. What he asks for us is to just move towards him and to begin to tell him everything. Don't just ask for what we want, but tell him, give me the strength in this world to move through what I have in front of me. But also to tell others everything that God has done for us. This part of the sermon would be perfect that we would all just come up and begin to tell each other all the things that God has done for us. What are the creative ways that we've seen God move this last year? What are the ways that we've seen him move in our lives? What are the ways that he's just given us strength to survive? Because God is not done moving in our lives. He's still moving today and giving us power. God has the power to heal us. But he also gives us the power and the promise to be with us and sustain us. So my hope for all of us today is that we will be encouraged to tell them everything God has done for you. Tell your family, tell your children, tell your friends, tell the church, tell your neighbors. Go off like this man did and tell them everything that God has done to change your life. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, as we close this service and, and have a moment, we continue in worship through song And also take a moment to dedicate children and our families. We give you praise for your continued work in our lives. Father, this story directs us to the great and supreme power that Jesus has. Whatever our troubles are right now, you know exactly what they are. And we pray that you would heal them. You would heal our hearts and our minds, our, our bodies that would hold us back and push us down, but we also know that you've given us and promised us your strength to endure, as Paul endured his thorn. And so we pray for that strength, not just for ourselves, but so that we would tell others everything that you've done for us, because how inviting is it that we can invite other people into this great and encouraging hope and power that we have through Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' great name. Amen.